Amen. Well, we're in John chapter 3 today, so I'm going to read the passage before we get into it. <clears throat> now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Let me pray. Lord, uh, we need you. God, we need you to open your word up to us. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak. Lord, I, uh, I, every Sunday I'm anxious, Lord. Every Sunday I want, to, I want to speak from your word, truth. And I know that I'm just dependent on you, Lord. So would you speak to our hearts? God, would you open our eyes to what is in your word? Lord, would you... Would you work in us, Spirit? Would you, would you give us life? Would you impart to us spiritual life, Lord, that we can know you, so that we can believe in you, so that we can trust you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we probably all have things that uh, we're kind of into, but uh, we don't really want anyone else to know. Maybe you're embarrassed by it. Um, for me, uh, in late high school, early college, that was country music. I, uh, not that anything was wrong with country music, um, but like my circle of friends, like we didn't listen to country music, and I don't even remember why I started listening. It probably had something to do with a girl somewhere that she liked country, so I thought I should listen to country or something like that. So I, I was, I was kind of low-key into country music. I'd listen to the radio. I, didn't, I don't think, and I'm not trying to distance myself from country music, but I don't think I've actually owned a country music CD, so I'm kind of proud of that. Um, but I'd listen to the radio, and, and I, I loved it. The twang, like new stuff, old stuff, loved it all. It got, sometimes it'd get me super emotional, like, why is this song making me cry? Which, you know, I mean, I'm okay with crying now in front of everyone all the time, but back then I didn't like it so much. Um, and I, I just, I did not want people to know I was into country music, but the most embarrassing thing to me was the group that, for a while, at least, that I really liked was the Dixie Chicks. And, and there's nothing wrong with the Dixie Chicks, especially if you're a female. But as a dude, it just felt like, how do I like the Dixie Chicks? And, and I'm the kind of guy that everywhere I go, I'm whistling or I'm humming or I'm singing a song. And, and so I'm walking around my college campus, and, and suddenly I realize, like, man, I'm humming the Dixie Chicks right now. Like, this is not helping me with the ladies at all. The worst, though, was the song that would get caught in my head the most was Cowboy Take Me Away. <laughs> and that's what sealed the deal for me. Like, I'd sing, I'd sing that song out loud. I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I hope no one heard me sing Cowboy Take Me Away. So 
I'm pretty much off country right now. Every once in a while, I'll listen. I do not listen to Dixie Chicks anymore at all. But um, in, in, in John 3, we see a, a rabbi named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus, and he's interested. He's curious. He certainly doesn't understand. He, he certainly doesn't believe that, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is, is Messiah. We, we jump in at 3 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. So Nicodemus, he's, he's a teacher. Uh, he, he's a Pharisee. If you don't know the Pharisees are, really, really religious, uber religious people, strict in, in the rules that they'd follow. He, he's a teacher of the Old Testament. He knows the whole Testament. He teaches it to other Jews. He's a member of this council called the Sanhedrin. It's a 70-member council, and they made religious decisions as well as civil decisions as they were under uh, Roman rule. The Sanhedrin in Luke 22, we find out that they, they put Jesus on trial. Um, in the Gospels, we do see that there are, there are two members, two other members of the Sanhedrin that, uh, that show support of Jesus. But, but as a whole, they're not pro-Jesus. This is the religious establishment, and Jesus is coming, and he's flipping everything upside down. So here's this prominent figure. He's got a reputation, and, and it says he comes at night. And we don't know for sure. Um, John doesn't tell us exactly why he comes at night, but um, it seems pretty likely that he came because he, he, didn't, he wasn't ready for people to see him with Jesus yet. He had some questions he wanted to ask. He wanted to talk to Jesus, but he wasn't ready for people to question him about why he was talking with Jesus. Verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he acknowledges, he calls him a rabbi, which is polite. It's kind of him to, to call Jesus rabbi. Um, but it's clear that he has no real understanding of who this Jesus is. And outside of Mary, the mother of Jesus, everyone that we've seen um, so far in this gospel, Nicodemus, he's the guy that should be able to spot, should be able to recognize the Messiah with everything that he knows about the Old Testament, right? The Jews had been looking for, they've been waiting to be saved. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come. And, and here's Nicodemus, the guy that, that knows the gospel better, than, knows the scriptures better than anyone we've seen in this, in this gospel so far. And yet he, he doesn't get it. He, he comes to him really rabbi to rabbi. And he says, it's clear that, that there's something special about you. I can see that, that God is in you. Um, and he connects it to, to signs, right? He, he connects. He sees the signs that God, that Jesus has done. He sees that there's, this is supernatural. And yet at the same time, he doesn't see. He doesn't get what this means. And we'll see this throughout the Gospels, that the people, tons of people, will see signs. They'll be impressed. They'll be enamored with Jesus. They'll be on the hook for a while and want to know more. And yet that fades away. So even though they've seen the signs, it's not what they really ultimately need to see Jesus. And I think, I think sometimes we wish, man, Jesus, if you would just show me a sign. Like, if you, if you could just show me this thing, then I would believe. Then I would know that you're real. And yet... Um, God has given us everything we need in the scripture. And I'm not saying that, that, that God never does signs. Uh, I, I have friends for sure that, that would say, God did this thing. He showed me this sign, and it helped me. And, and even in my own life, I can point to some things I'm like, unmistakably, that was God. And, and, and while that encourages my faith, it's not my anchor. Right? Scripture is my anchor in my faith. Um, that's where I see Jesus
1 Peter 1.23, it says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, uh, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So Nicodemus, he, he saw these signs, um, but he, he did not see Jesus yet. Um, last week's passage in, in John t- chapter 2, it, it ends with, uh, with this. I want to read verses 23 through 25. It says, Now when he, and this is talking to Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man, right? Jesus knew what was in man. He knew the heart of man. So he comes and he sees Nicodemus. He knows Nicodemus' heart, right? He knows everything about it. He knows your heart today. I worked as a counselor for years and years, and um, some people, a lot of people, seem to think that the counselors have like, like a crystal ball or something that just allows you to look straight into their soul and know everything that's wrong. And I'm like, no, that's why I had you fill out 15 pages of intake paperwork, because I don't know. Like, I need you to give me this background. I need you to, to tell me what's going on here so that I can be a help to you. And Jesus is nothing like that. He, he, he knows us. He, he created us. He gets us. He, he lived life like us. Jesus knows us. So Nicodemus, he comes, and, and he hasn't even asked a question yet. He's just kind of told Jesus, like, I, I know that you're something special. I, I've seen the signs. But even though he hasn't straight out asked a question, I, I think he's, he's asking, who are you? Are, are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? Like, what's going on here? Because I, I can see God in you. There's something different Well, Jesus sees the heart of of Nicodemus, and he cuts straight to the chase. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that, there's no, like, transition there. It's just, it's weird. Jesus just jumps straight into it. And and as I've said before, Jesus doesn't mince words. Like, he, he sees Nicodemus. He knows what he needs, and he just goes straight forward. He says, unless you're born again, Nicodemus... You can't see the kingdom of God. And unless, unless this born-again thing happens in you, you can't even perceive God's kingdom. And it, this is an old, old movie reference from the late 90s, The Matrix, right? If you've seen The Matrix, there's this guy, Neo. It's uh, that one actor that's not that awesome. Um, Keanu Reeves, thank you. That's why I forgot his name. Uh, so anyway, Neo, he, he, he lives in, the, in this world, and then someone comes to him one day and basically says, everything you believe is real isn't. Do you want to know what, what's truly real? And, and, and Neo's blown away. Like, even though deep down he'd kind of sensed that, he's like, what are you talking about? Could this be true? And here we have Jesus telling Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't even see it. You, you, need to, you need rebirth, right? Even Nicodemus needs rebirth. He doesn't need more religion, right? He, he needed a supernatural act of God to birth in him spiritual life. Verse 4, Nicodemus is confused. He said, 
How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? He's just saying, what are you talking about? Be born again? There's no way. How would I even do that? It makes no sense. Nicodemus had no category for what Jesus was even talking about here. And we're, we're so like that. We get so stuck in, in, in the physical world, what, what we can see, what we can touch. And yet, in, if you're in this room, you probably believe in the spiritual world. You believe in, in the supernatural. And, and, and yet, you get Nicodemus. We, we just we get trapped. We, we forget that, that, that there are spiritual things happening all over the place, that God is, is at work. It's confusing here. Um, when, when Jesus says born again, it could be either born again or, or born from above. Um, and, and it's interesting to me that Nicodemus assumes born again. I, I would think that he would, he would assume Jesus meant born from above because that, that seems like that would make more sense spiritually, that you'd be born, again, born from above rather than born again. So I talked with Pastor Gary about this, and, and, and it seems... Of all the people that think they were born from above, it'd be Nicodemus. Right? Anyone that would think they have this life from above, it's Nicodemus. So he jumps to the other. And he assumes that, of course, he's good to go. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. This guy has the whole Old Testament memorized. It's easy for us to think that religion saves. And I think that's because we feel like we should be able to earn our way. Right? We, we, it's just within us that, that we need to earn our way, and, and we're conditioned that way, right? If you do your job at work well, you eventually get promoted most of the time. Or you get a bonus or, or something. Like we, We're just conditioned that, that we need to be able to contribute. We need to be able to earn our way. And yet, if we're a Christian, we know we're saved by grace. It's a total gift. Right? There's absolutely nothing that, that we can do to earn our salvation. So, so our, our obedience is a response. It's, it's responsiveness to God's love, to, to the grace of Christ. Jesus is absolutely the one that saves. It's not what we do. And yet for Nicodemus, here's a man that his religion has driven everything in him. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, and that we stand as an equal with Mary, that, that we are no better or worse off than Mary was. Mary needed Jesus just as badly as we do. And this week we see Nicodemus. We're no better or worse off than this guy who is more religious than my guess is any of us could ever even try to be. We, we need Jesus. We need to be born again like Christ is talking about. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. So before he said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now he says, unless you're born again, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. He says, Nicodemus, if you aren't born again, you're going to hell. Right? If, if God doesn't do this in you, you are not saved. It says, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit. So what's that talking about there? And there's, there's multiple ideas as to what that could be. Some people think it's baptism, although if we think through Scripture, 
that that doesn't make sense, that, that you'd have to be baptized to be saved. Like, that's, that's not the gospel. Other people think that it might have to do with two, uh, two births, right? The, the waters, like the, the physical birth, water representing the amniotic fluid, and, and then the others, the spiritual birth. But what makes most sense is that both the water and the spirit refer to this, this new birth, this, this one birth. Um, and, and this is a birth... Um, that, that is cleansing, that, that renews. Um, being born again uh, is, is, is a transformation. This is, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit gives you new life. And there's a lot of places we could go in the Old Testament. I'm going to take us to two um, briefly here. Jeremiah 33, 8 is God, and he says, I will cleanse them from all their guilt, uh, from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Ezekiel 36, 25. says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. From all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my real rules. So God, God's promise through the Old Testament, he's going to do this. Right? The water throughout the Old Testament, multiple times, it's, it's this picture of, of cleansing, uh, of renewing, of, of forgiving of sins. He says he's going to give a new heart where there was this cold, lifeless heart, so dead that, that God said it, it's like a stone, and I'm going to replace that heart. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft towards me, a heart that beats, a heart that is actually alive. And he says uh, at the end of verse 27 there, he's the one that causes us to be obedient, right? Even, even our obedience, we need God to do that within us. Verse 6, back in John 3, says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Humans give birth to humans, but, but God's children, that's something that the spirit does. The spirit gives birth to the spirit. Only the spirit can bring that kind of life. And this reminds us of, of uh, earlier in John Chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's the Holy Spirit's work that gives spiritual life to a person, right? where there was no life, and then now the Spirit brings life in. Titus 3, 4 says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit imparting new spiritual life in you. Right? If you regenerate, it means that the Holy Spirit has given you, he's imparted new spiritual life into you. So, so this, is, this is a radical change, right, from death to life, from being an enemy of God in open rebellion of God to being adopted by God, to being in God's family. This is a, this is a new nature, right? This isn't just a positive story of someone turning their life around, 
right? Turning over a new leaf. Like God is doing something absolutely radical here in, in, in giving us life and giving us a new nature. I got to have lunch with a brother in Christ a couple months back, and I, I didn't know him well, and I just I asked him, like, how'd you come to know Jesus? And he told me a story, and he, he, he'd grown up um, connected to a church. I think his mom was a Christian or is a Christian, but he never, he'd never really trusted Jesus. And, and he, was, he was looking for life, eventually ended up in college. He was partying, and he was just dead, just dead as dead can be. And then long story short, man, God brought life to him. And he believed in Jesus, and, and everything changed in his life. Now, he still, I'm sure he still struggled with sin. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that was all gone. But God brought him new life, and it was, it was a total change. This regeneration happened by the Holy Spirit taking this heart of stone, right? Total, total stone. No response, not responsive at all to God. And then giving him a heart that, that beats for God. It's the Holy Spirit that, that does this. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And, and I want to I clarify just really quickly. So this new birth... Um, doesn't make us perfect, right? Like, we still deal with sin. We still deal with temptation. Um, we, we, we battle sin daily. I know some people that have come to Jesus, and instantly there were sin battles that were gone for them. And I'm like, good for you, because it didn't work that way for me. And I think for most people, it doesn't work that way, right? I, I think God lets us go through a long process of refining a lot of those sin battles and inclining our heart more and more towards him. So I don't, I don't want you to think at all that, that when the Holy Spirit brings life, that it means the, the struggle's gone, right? We, we still will struggle, but, but he does. When he, brings, when he brings new life, he gives us a new nature. He gives us a heart that's responsive to God, that, that longs to follow God even as we battle. Verse 7, we've got to keep going here. Verse 7, Jesus says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus, don't. You shouldn't marvel at this. You're a teacher of the scriptures. You should know from the scriptures that between man and God is this great chasm, and we don't even compare to God. You should know, Nicodemus, that humanity needs God to give life. You should know that you need a new heart, that you need a new nature, that God needs, needs to cleanse you. God needs to take away your sin and forgive you. You should know that God said he'd pour out his spirit. He will do that. So, so the, the concept of new birth, Jesus says to Nicodemus, this shouldn't be crazy to you. This shouldn't blow your mind. Verse 8 says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The, the Hebrew word um, and the Greek word for spirit, uh, ruah and pneuma, they both uh, can mean uh, uh, breathe, wind, uh, or spirit. Uh, so there's this parallel here between the wind and the spirit. Jesus is saying the wind goes wherever it wants. Right? You hear it sounds, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going, you don't even really understand it. And, and similarly, 
with the Spirit, like we have no control over what the Spirit does. The Spirit does what the Spirit wants to do. We can see the effects of the Spirit. Like we can look and go, oh, that is, that's the work of God right there. There's no way that that could have happened. And that's, that's the way it is. If you've been born again, or if the Spirit's given you new life, you should be able to look at your life and go, yeah, God has changed me supernaturally there. Like, he's done this in me. I'm sure we all have people in our lives that, that we love, and yet we know there's no way apart from God that I could love that person. Right? Whether, whether they bug you or whatever it is, like, there's no way. Like, God's given you this supernatural ability to love this person that in your own flesh you would never love them. Um, some of you are smiling at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, there's also moments in my life where, where God's given me perspective on something, some, something that, that was just way bigger than me. And, and, and I realized that this insight and this wisdom, there's no way that that's from me. It, it could only be by God's Spirit that I have that. Or, um, if you're a Christian, you know about the peace that God gives us at times, right? The, the peace that Scripture says surpasses all understanding, right? God gives you peace when, when you should feel anything but peace because of your circumstances. So while we can't we can't predict what the Spirit's going to do. We don't know exactly how He works. We know some things from Scripture. We don't see where the Spirit's going, and yet we can see the effects of the Spirit. We can, we can see the Spirit at work. John 3, 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? And this feels harsh, like this is kind of a hard way to, to, a hard part of the passage to end in. But he's saying, Nicodemus, you're a teacher, right? You have, gosh, you have like multiple PhDs in, in, in Jewish theology, and yet you don't get it. He's telling him, you, you, should, you should get this from the scriptures. Like God has revealed what he's going to do, how he's going to do so much of this. Like you should be able to connect these dots. You should know that we need God to give us life, that we, on our own, can do nothing. We're spiritually dead. A dead person cannot save themselves. We need God to cleanse us from sin, that the heart of every person is in rebellion without the intervention of God to bring about a new heart. Bible read through people. If you're, if you're still with me, we're in Judges, right? I was talking to someone about Judges the other day. Like, oh, man, it's hard being in Judges. Like it's, it's just a downer, and it is. Like, if you haven't read Judges over and over again, like, things, things are kind of going up, and then they crash, and it says that, that the people of Israel did evil, right? They did evil against God over and over again. It's just this vicious cycle in Judges, and you do kind of hate it. And you're supposed to because it shows you, man, we're messed up. I need God. Apart from God giving me life, this is what I do. I live in open rebellion against God unless the Spirit gives me life. Our truth statement for for this week um, is this. Only those who have a spiritual new birth can experience and enter the kingdom of God. Right. Only, only if you've been born again will, will you experience the kingdom of God. Will you be saved? There's no hope outside of God intervening. 
You need the Holy Spirit to give you new spiritual life, uniting you with Christ. So John, he's pleading with us through this passage, the author of this gospel. He's saying, be born again. Like this, this is what you need. You actually don't need anything else. This is the only thing that you need. So today, I just wonder if you're here and, and, and you realize, like, I want that. Like, I want that life that Jesus is talking about. You can sense the deadness in your own heart. Man, I'd, I would encourage you today, ask God to do this, because it's not going to come through you doing the right things. It's not going to come through you sitting here at church and listening to me every week, or you joining a Bible study. Like, it's the Holy Spirit is going to do this in you. It's not you being religious or good. So you need to ask God to do this. And, and if you even have that desire... I'd say that's a sign. It's a, it's, it's, it's a pointer that, that God is already at work in you, that the Holy Spirit is already working in you. John Piper, who's a pastor, I think he's retired now, but former pastor, author, he said this. Um, he said, your involvement in the event of new birth is to exercise faith, faith in the crucified and risen Son of God, Jesus Christ, as the Savior and Lord and treasure of your life. So the Spirit brings us new life, and we respond in faith. We, we believe. And Piper goes on to say that the Spirit bringing new life and us responding in faith, it happens simultaneously, like, like fire and heat, right? They, they happen at the same time, but heat doesn't cause the fire. It's the fire that makes the heat happen. And God brings this life into you, and, and, and you respond by, by believing. So if God is stirring up in you um, to believe in him, but you're resisting, I'd encourage you, ask him to bring that new life to you. Ask him to help you in your unbelief. Um, if, you, if you doubt that you're born again. Um, and, and this is a tricky one for me because a lot of you know, maybe all of you know that passage where Jesus said, a lot of people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. So th- this is tricky. Like if you doubt your salvation, I don't want to give you some false sense like, no, you're good. And at the same time, if you are saved, man, I want you to feel secure. I want you to feel stable in that. So if, if you're constantly wondering, if you're saved, if, if, if God has given you spiritual life, I'd ask you to look for evidence of that new life in you. And I think there's a lot of scripture that we can go to. Actually, I'd encourage you, if this is you, if you struggle, like even just every so often wondering, man, do I really know Jesus? Am I really saved? Go to First John. Re- read that book over and over again because it gives us a lot of ways to see, like, okay, a born-again person, this is in them. This happens. This does that. But I'll, I'll read a couple different verses here. First um, Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person, right, the, 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 the person that has not been born again, the unregenerate, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So if you accept the things of God, if you accept Scripture, if Scripture isn't foolishness to you, that, that's a sign right, that, that God has worked in you. If your default is, is, is to lean to Jesus, to follow after Jesus, man, that's God that's done that in you. You cannot produce that in yourself. First John 5, 1 and following. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So born-again people, this tells us several things about ourselves. Uh, We believe. We believe in Jesus. And this isn't just like a surface-level belief. This is deep belief within us. It says that everyone who loves God the Father has been born again. So if you love God, that's, that's something that only the Spirit can produce in you. It says if you love God and obey his commandments, right? If, you, if you're willingly obedient to God, it doesn't mean you don't mess up, but if you're willingly obedient to God, you're born again. It says everyone that has been born again, uh, born of God, has overcome the world. So overcoming the world, it, it, it is that, um, that, that, that I love God's commandments, that God is the one I treasure, God's commandments I treasure, not the world. I want what God wants, not the things of this world. And it says that this victory is through our faith in Christ. So if this is a regular struggle for you, doubting your faith, would you come and talk to somebody on staff or someone that you know that knows Jesus? And I'd ask them, do you see, do you see evidence of the Spirit in me? Like, can you see anything in me? Because so often... Like, we just don't see ourselves right. Like, I think my wife knows me in so many ways better than I do. Like, I can struggle and analyze something for days. I talked to Lindsay about it for two minutes. She says one sentence. I'm like, gosh, you're right. Why didn't I come to you before? Go to someone who knows you, that knows Jesus, and ask them if this is something you struggle with. Come talk to the staff. We'll have prayer team people up here that would love to pray with you. Um, But but if, if you have been born again, I just... I want you to be secure in that. Jesus said in, in John six thirty seven, he said, All that the Father gives, uh, gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Uh, we are secure in, in, in Jesus' family if we've been born again. Last thing um, that I want to talk about is, is uh, if, you, if you're here and you doubt you're born again because you still struggle with sin. And I know I already said that being born again isn't perfection, but First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Obviously, we don't want to sin, and yet we have an advocate when we do sin. We have an advocate, Jesus. He's there on our behalf. John goes on to say, if anyone says they don't sin, they are a liar. So being born again does not mean that you do not struggle with sin. It it does mean that that God is changing you, that he's brought you life now, and he's continuing to make you more and more like his son. So we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done through communion. Um, In in a minute, uh, men will come up, and um, they'll be holding the the bread and the cup, and and they're going to say to you, body of Christ broken for you as you take the bread. And, and, and as you dip in the cup, they'll say, blood of Christ shed for you. Um, and you're going to hear this over and over again. And if you're new, that might be weird that we say this over and over again. But we do not want to forget. We, we do not want to forget who God is, what he's done for us, our absolute need for Jesus. So you'll be able to come up and, and take communion. If you know Jesus, please participate in this. If you don't know Jesus, this meal just isn't for you yet. But you'll be able to do that through the next few songs. So let me pray. God... I don't know if my words are clear <laughs> at all. Um, but Jesus, 
we, we need you. We need you to bring about new life. Holy Spirit, God, would you bring life to anyone in this room that hasn't yet trusted you? And God, I'm thinking particularly of, of people that are just, for whatever reason, they're holding back. Um, God, would you bring about new life in them? Would you help them to believe in you? Jesus, for anyone that, that doubts their salvation, yet, and yet you have changed them, God, would you give them peace, Lord? Would you give them security, knowing that you love them perfectly? Jesus made it really clear that he's not going to let anyone out of his hands. That's one of his. Lord, may we worship you now. Would we pour out our hearts to you, Jesus, confessing that you are God, confessing our need for you, confessing how great your love is. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.